Here they come! Hello, and welcome to episode 146 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Dave Fox to discuss Tuck Pendleton's shrinking down and then finding out he's going to become a daddy in 1987's Inner Space. Oh, and the thing that also made it super interesting to me is i'm kind of a bit of a disney geek and have you heard of body wars body wars now this is very interesting because um when i was researching inner space i saw that there was something there was a like a a ride which came out kind of like at the same time or was just after it exactly this right. is it the uh, this is at Epcot Center in Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And it was really at about the same time that Interspace came out. It was like you like you like Interspace a lot. Imagine there being an Interspace ride. Mm. It's a flight simulator where you are doing exactly what Tuck Pendleton did. Um, there was a pre-show and they had people who Tim Matheson, I think, was in it. And Elizabeth Shue was in it. Right. Disney would get actors to be in these things. And they were making it an immersive experience where you were being shrunk down to go into the human body to study um, white blood cells attacking a splinter in a human being. Right. And of course, you know, everything goes wrong and you get sucked into the heart and you get sucked into the lungs and and you're along for this ride and it was a flight simulator it used to actually make me sick but it was so cool it was like inner space the ride and um it's not there anymore but yeah you can go on youtube and watch i'm sure full you know pov ride experiences of inner space i bet you you would have loved this when you were younger oh i have to seek that out i have to seek that out you know dave um I was so thrilled to start talking to you again after all this time. You know, the last 10 minutes we've been talking, I forgot to press the record button. <laughs> so so <laughs> the, the, the first 10 minutes of, of our, you know, I, I thought, you know, you know, award-winning podcasting um, yes. hasn't recorded. Um, okay. So really, <laughs> we've got to rewind 10 minutes. So in a nutshell, what were we saying? Um, Dennis Quaid, we love Dennis Quaid. Yes. Love Dennis Quaid, and I said that I am so happy that on this uh, on on the channels that we're recording on, you have named me Tuck Pendleton, and I couldn't be happier. You are today's Tuck Pendleton. I guess that makes me Martin Short or Meg Ryan. Um, <laughs> Who do you want to be? <laughs> now I tell you what, I'll be Dick Miller, the taxi driver, at the beginning. In every damn Joe Dante movie, Dick Miller pops up. <laughs> of course, and and he's brilliant in it, you know. You know, uh, oh, one night stand, eh? Well, will you shut up? You know, he's brilliant, uh, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, sorry, sorry, folks. I th we were having a good old natter then about you know Dennis and Randy, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't like um, you know going back over and repeating what we say because then it's not spontaneous. But all right, cards right. on the table. I'm trying to think. What were the highlights? It was um, something about 
me slapping myself, and then I said that it wasn't my face. And, and then, then Chris you... should really be doing it because he's the Randy one to your Dennis. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And and then we went over the career of Dennis Quaid and how perhaps Wyatt Earp ruined it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you should be doing, doing more than credit cards. Adverts. He's doing credit card commercials in the United States now. That's about it. And we talked about Body Wars. Body Wars and Martin Short gets on my tits these days, although back then in the 80s I didn't mind him. Meg Ryan, I didn't mind her. We agreed that Joe versus the Volcano could be her career best. We Excellent. put that one in, didn't we? And, and And that's pretty much when I thought, oh shit, there's not a red button on this screen, which is which appears when I press record, so I th- that's okay. I, I think we're up to speed now. Um, that so was, that was just for us. Yes, yes. They can the the people can imagine how delightful this conversation was because it was, but that was for us. They yes. don't need to hear it. I'm that, fine with it. That was us in the green room, wasn't it? <laughs> that was in the green room. By the way, the uh, craft services sucks in here. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I got a slap for that as well. Yeah, it's all British food. God. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's it's all sausage rolls and Scotch eggs today. I do apologise. Oh, um, I would kill for a Scotch egg. I love Scotch eggs. I was very pleased to hear that Jeff Jeff McGee uh, not only likes Scotch eggs but he makes his own as well. Hmm. So yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, let's get started then, shall we? Yes. So, yeah, we love the film. Um, I think I started recording when you were talking about Body Wars, but you did see it in the theatre. I saw it in the theatre because I showed it in the theatre. When you went to see it the first time, were you aware that it's a loose remake of a film called Fantastic Voyage? No, I wasn't then. But, I mean, be getting older and becoming, like, you know, film filmography or filmographers or whatever you want to call us, um, I do, I do know that now, but no, not then. To me, this was like out of the box original filmmaking, and kind of was way different than everything else, which made it unique and special. Mm. And of course, it's Joe Dante, and you know John Date, Joe Dante, Dante. I can't even say his name now. It's all going apart, falling apart. <laughs> See, my voice is going. Um, no, I mean, you know, he's a few huge film fan, isn't he? And, um, you know, a genre fan. So, yeah, that's why we have the Dick Millers in there. That's why we have Chuck Jones in the supermarket yeah, queue. Yeah, that's true. You know, and... There's, uh, there's a ton of people in this that are in it as other movies. And even stuff after this, because I love The Burbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the entire cast of The Burbs is in this movie. Oh, somewhere. absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah, Jack's boss, um, you know... Instantly recognizable. All, the, all these character actors, Joe likes putting them in his films, doesn't he? It's good. Yeah. Are you aware that this film is called Inner Space because in Fantastic Voyage, the phrase Inner Space is mentioned twice? That's why it's called Inner Space. No. In fact, I had no idea until just this moment now. I mean, it th- th- doesn't... You can You can make the title make sense to yourself, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Inner Space. Okay, I get it now. Yes. Right. All right. So we'll talk about we're talking about two scenes today. Okay. We're talking about um, Tuck's miniaturization, and then finally realizing he's not in Bugs. He's in a strange man, mm-hmm. and also Tuck finding out that he's going to be a dad. All right. Pod activated. Microchip interlock complete. Hold on to your breakfast, Lieutenant. This is it. 
Activate centrifuge. Minus 40. Commencing molecular isolation and displacement. I don't know if I've mentioned it since I've realised we weren't recording, but I was saying, you know, that one of the appeals back then and now, I guess if I did see the credit card adverts, is Dennis Quaid has got charisma. He's very charismatic, isn't he? He's dripping with it. Yes, he is. In this film, I mean, you know, uh, a couple of years before he had done the right stuff, you know, the, the story of the space race, and he was a pilot in that, and uh, a bit cocky, like... Um, Tuck is here, but here, I mean, he's, I mean, in his green flight suit with his absolute pristine white t-shirt underneath, you know, it's Top Gun, isn't it? But this is Dennis. And uh, yeah, he, he's swaggering down the corridor, getting ready to launch. And it's almost the John Travolta, you know, going down the streets of New York strut he's <laughs> got as he's going down there with his briefcase, isn't he? Yeah, and and he goes through that whole lab and he has you can tell like like he's so cool all these geeks want to be his friend because he's the cool guy in the room and he has a personal relationship at some on some level with all these people including two women (laughs) whom i think he kisses so if you could you could like you know retcon this that you know he's good because at this point he's been estranged from meg ryan yes for months it's two months later right after you see his tushy Yes, yep, yep, yep. That's the night that she becomes pregnant. That's she? the That's night. That's why that, this yeah. is two two months later. Yes. Okay. He knocks her up, and then they don't see each other for two months. <laughs> so in those two months, you know he has gotten it on with that first girl that he kisses, the second one, yep. and probably a few of the dudes. Oh, of course. Yeah, he's rampant. His old tuck. He, he's swagger. That's what he is. You can say Tuck knows how to tuck it in. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's called Tuck, you know? Maybe. His real name's Ralph. Or maybe it's just rhyming slang for something else, Tuck. You never know. Ah, look Uh, at you. Zero defects. (laughs) That's what he's talking about. Maybe he's talking about, you know, no syphilis or any any other STDs when he says... (laughs) That's great. It could be, couldn't it? Have you seen, you know, the second lady the first one you know she gives him a little kiss and then he gives her a proper snog and then yeah. she wants to take a photo with his with her polaroid camera and he yeah, does, does a selfie, selfie. <laughs> well apparently that's what folk are saying this is the first ever instance of a selfie recorded on film is dennis quaid in inner space seriously yeah that's, that's what they're saying you. nobody All else right. can can find anyone else doing a selfie and it's with a polaroid <laughs> it is yeah it's amazing, isn't it? I like it. Yeah. Also, what I like in this scene, um, we haven't mentioned yet, is the fantastic music by Jerry Goldsmith, which works yeah. really well. Um, 
Yeah, and you get this like this is a Spielberg production. You even it's Joe Dante, and he's got his handprint all over it. But you also get the Spielbergian moments. Like I don't know what Spielberg does when he produces a movie. He like sprinkles some dust and walks away, and it just has this feel to it. And the music helps with that. Yes, yes, yes. Well, he he reaches the pod, his submarine pod thing, and it's I I like the way it's very functional, isn't it? You know, it's not. In Fantastic Voyage, you have a classic, iconic piece of, you know, science fiction movie hardware, the Proteus, this gleaming white submarine. But here, this is just like a blister, isn't it? It's just a blob with lots of air tanks and stuff on it and a couple of claws and things, hasn't it? Yeah, it's just enough for him. He can reach everything in it. Um, it's it's good. It's... it's uh... It, it, there's there's nothing wasted in this thing. No. I love the fact as well, I mean, he's going to be injected into Bugs, the rabbit, and you've actually got, a, you know, an illustration that's not very... <laughs> it's a Bugs Bunny drawing. It's not a real rabbit drawing, is it? This, <laughs> this laid-out rabbit. Yeah, and yeah. the stuffed animal Bugs Bunny. And then he has one on the back of his door in his apartment. Too. Yep, yep. And, of course, Lydia's got the, the pull-out cord one, hasn't she, you know? Yep. Oh, yeah. You can tell this is a Warner Brothers film, can't you? Warner Brothers was not ashamed to, you know, mass market anything that they own. They would, I mean, you know, Mad Max in character. We were talking about, you know, uh, Screw Loose, one of the kids who lives down in the crack in the earth. And, um, yeah, he's got a, a, a bendy Bugs Bunny as well, because that's a Warner Brothers film as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't averse to doing that, were they? It's probably in like the contract or something. Like there'll be at least one Bugs Bunny appearance in this film. But but it's a post-apocalyptic Australian thing. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Just put it in. <laughs> All right. So they put this pod, uh, the, the 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 shield around the pod, um, and we've got this big. It takes too long now. I remember you know when it the film first came out, where you've got this robot arm which picks the chip up, and then it goes through all these twists and turns and put it puts it into you know the two different places that seems to take forever now because i think back then we were impressed by that that you've got a robot arm that can do precisely what it wants to do now that's quite you know passe isn't it yeah and i'm sure it was a real you know working robot and we were fascinated by stuff then i like that they make a joke out of it later though that it's taking so long the guy just grabs it and <laughs> sticks it in and electrocutes himself a little I like the way that they, they say it's a computer chip. It's not. I know what that is. I used to do electronics. That's a heat sink off of a circuit board. That's just a bog standard, you know, heat sink that you can get for like, you know, 50 cents. Um, that's not a great to, bit of uh, uh, okay. thing to, And that's just to like a, a heat sink like that just isolates. Yeah, it just draws um, heat something. away from the circuit board. That's what a heat sink does. It sucks the heat away and stops the circuit board getting too too hot. And they come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, and they always have that fin affair around them. That's a heat sink. It's not a chip. <laughs> all right, so so he gets in, and, and, and it is good. You know, he's testing everything, state of the art. As he Again, that's a hand Solo moment where he's like, you know, flicking at the at the lights and then they come on and it's like state of the art. He goes, that's a hand solo line and that's a hand it solo is. thing to do. Yep. It is very like, like Han Solo punches the console. He's flicking the lights. It's, yep. He, he is, he is stealing from Harrison Ford here every second. of He's channeling hand solo. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, uh, the, the cocky grin and everything. Yeah. You could, you could see Han Solo looking in a mirror and, and, and going, Han Solo machine, zero defects, as he slapped his face a couple of times. Definitely. 
completely. Yeah. And we said, like we said beforehand, like as you made that, I never made that um, um, correlation between them, but you're exactly right. Um, Harrison Ford, I'm sure he was drawing from something too, but everyone that played that cocky pilot afterwards had to measure up to some standard to what Harrison Ford had done. And, and you equated them and, yeah, I I, com- I completely see it, I, mm. and I hadn't I hadn't before. No, it it is. I mean, this is Harrison Ford doing Han Solo in this cockpit when Ozzy says, "Hold on to your breakfast," you know, and the music starts up, and you know the pod starts turning and everything. And uh, I like the way as as things start speeding up. Did you notice in the sound mix you got the Tasmanian Devil from Looney yes. Tunes? in there as it's spinning around and that's that's one of the few times that i remember like because i, I kind of forget because we talked about joe dante a little too joe dante has a style this to me is a little bit out of joe dante's style except for a few scenes the face changing scene is completely joe dante oh that's um twilight zone the movie isn't it that's exactly, exactly what he did in 83 and that's and what you just said is exactly what reminded me that this was a joe dante movie when that thing is spinning he uses in the Twilight Zone the movie in the cartoon story when that when that monster is spinning at mm. the family. It is the Tasmanian Devil sound. Plus, it's a Warner Brothers movie again. Yeah. And I remember hearing that sound like the Tasmanian Devil, just like Twilight Zone the movie. Oh yeah, they're both Joe Dante. That's what this <laughs> is. Like that's probably Joe Dante's ringtone. He's a fanboy, you know, and God bless him. You know, he's he's putting all his, you know, favorite things up on the screen because that's what we would do. It is what Quentin Tarantino does. You know, he yeah. puts up things that he, he, he loves to see, you know? Yeah, it's what, it's what Kevin Smith does. It's what every, yeah. everybody that – and if you buy into that and you feel the same way they do, like, I mean, we're the same age as, as, as those guys. I grew up watching the things that Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino did. And when you see it on screen, you're like, I get it, man. Yeah. yeah, we could have been friends in high school. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you know it it gets faster and faster. Um, Dennis, it looks like he's going to black out. Um, you know, he's not so cool. He's good again. Dennis is great because he he can make like Harrison Ford. He can make himself look foolish or non-heroic. He doesn't mind making himself look a bit, you know, silly and a bit out of his depth. And and we have this here, this face that he's pulling. Looks like he's going to chuck up any second as as that's spinning faster and faster. But then we get this effect of the shrinking. And it's almost like, you know, going into hyperspace with, where you've got, you know, you've got the lights of color coming towards you and it all bleeds out, doesn't it? Yeah. And that thing with his face, I remember from all the trailers. That was like the mm. money shot in the trailers. In fact, it was maybe the poster even. Yeah, one of the posters least... did have that, yeah. Yeah, it's a great effect. It's just him staring at you. Yeah, like he's staring at you, the audience member. Uh, I lo- I love that shot. That that if this movie were have to have become more popular, that would have been like the iconic shot from this movie. Yeah, I think. absolutely. And 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 it's achieved. Ignition happens. He's shrunk down. We get a lot of wind. We get bugs, both types, you know, blown around a bit, and uh, we find out he's in the syringe. This tiny little dot in the syringe. Um, but that at that point, that's when um, Margaret arrives and her goons, um, <laughs> the lovely Fiona Lewis. Um, I'll tell you a bizarre thing. Fiona Lewis actually follows me on Instagram. Really? Yeah. Look yeah. at you. Every so often. It, it's not very often. It's only like every, every like couple of months or something like that. I'll just put up something random. And usually it's something I'm... I, 
in the middle of making something. So it's not exactly a finished spectacular shot or something like that. And I'll get Fiona Lewis liked your photo, and it's like bloody hell, she's back again. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, um, she ever ask you to dress up like a cowboy and talk in an accent, and have some some sort of like wrist thing strapped on? Yes, <laughs> maybe one I day. I, I, I think you I think you could do something with that. Wow, you're a talented guy. Well, I tell you what. I mean, we're talking about two scenes in Inner Space today, and um, there's going to be a later episode somewhere down the line where we look at the cowboy. You know. Uh, uh, good old Robert impersonating Martin, or Martin impersonating Robin impersonating Martin. Um, that and the fight with Ivo at the end. And I, I'm I'm kind of hoping maybe she might come on for an interview. Maybe do it, do it, yeah, yeah. I I, yeah. I, I would like to do it with Fiona. I hear so you. To speak. Um, yes. So yeah, he he shrunk down. We have to fast forward a bit now, don't we? Because we have the uh, we have the attack. We have Ivo come in, the brilliant Vernon Wells come in. Um, when it, have you done? You haven't done him yet on Mad Max and character. No, no, no. If if we did all the big characters at the beginning, you'd have just the little ones at the end. So every so often, we're going to start putting the big names in. But he's going to be one of the very last ones, you know, because we've got okay. a lot to say about that fella. That makes perfect sense. That's what we do on Star Wars and character. You don't want to like blow your load on Darth Maul and then have to come back and do, you know, like like uh, the janitor the of the Death Star, or, yeah, or like, something like, like that. All right, like so. I remember we did on the Grady's. We did the Road Warrior. It probably, probably was a Road Warrior, not Commando, a long time ago. And I wrote him an email, and he answered me like really nicely had a lot to say i bet you'd get him on oh, that would uh, i don't know if i could talk to him i think i'd be so starstruck you know i was you when did. we had fifi on from the first mad max film you know that was a <laughs> surreal experience but vernon wells vernon wells did you did you see that you know where he plays mr ivo here he is a hundred percent copying arnold schwarzenegger in the terminator He's admitted it. Yeah, he, it, it's great. It is. I mean, the walking through the shopping mall is Terminator mm -hmm. 2, basically, isn't it? Yeah. He's fantastic. He is brilliant. He, he He's brilliant in everything he does, you know, because, you know, well, it's Vernon Wells. I, I, I don't need to say anything else. Right. Well, maybe he'll be on that one, too. Maybe she can host it with him and you don't even have to do anything. Just sit back. Yeah. And listen to it. And listen. <laughs> I'll just do the editing. Sure. All right. I'll look into that, all right? Okay. You can come along, Dave. You can have some popcorn and you can listen along with me, all right? All right. It's got to be better than this other British food in here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This scotch egg's um, not too bad. All right. So, yeah, we've got to get through that whole thing with, you know, Ozzy being chased through the shopping mall. I always forget that Ozzy actually dies, doesn't he? He's shot in the back. There's quite a bit of blood. And we actually see his point of view when Ozzy dies. We see yeah. the last thing Ozzy ever sees, which is, you know, the penguin and the nun and everybody just staring yep. at him. Hmm. Yeah, he blacks out. Who is that guy? Because I think he, he's a big part of the movie. And I had never seen that guy before or after. No. No, and he's just—he's pretty good. He is good. Yeah. He is good. Yeah, um, and of course, Tuck doesn't know what's going on. He gets injected all of a sudden into Jack's backside, mm -hmm. um, and blacks out because he's not expecting it. I guess. Um, yeah, the thrust of the syringe 
like must have have some like massive g forces yeah, that knocks him out that he just wasn't prepared for um mm. and so when he comes to jack has gone back to work jack is well his dream is coming true isn't it at the uh at the supermarket checkout yeah um, <laughs> I, I i love that joe dante says that um to him when they made this that was the very first time joe dante had ever seen a barcode scanner and it was like magic for him <laughs> you know? i mean now it, absolutely everywhere's got them but back then that was a big deal to have a barcode scanner that's funny he's he's doing all this technical stuff creating all these worlds and he's fascinated by a grocery store checkout yeah i love the old lady in this you know the old lady with the massive hair you know, yeah, she's in a lot of stuff in the 80s. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess she's not around anymore. She looks pretty ancient there, doesn't she? Yeah. She always played the same role. She played the role that same role in, like, Dragnet and stuff like that. Yeah. She's always, like, the angry old lady. She's good at it. <laughs> and Martin Short's all right in this bit. I, I, I don't mind him in this in this part. Um, but, uh, mm. yeah, you know, um, Tuck's come round, and he, he's in amongst all these fat cells. He's in, basically, he's in, in his backside isn't he he's in his bootay he's in his bootay yeah and he doesn't know what's going on he can't contact ozzy and so he says he's going to go to phase one now that's a definite reference to um fantastic voyage because fantastic voyage there were four phases of shrinking them down and getting the submarine into the body and yeah so he says i'm going to phase one i'm going to go up to the optic nerve mm -hmm. because that's what he was going to be doing with bugs wasn't he Right, so he's he can't hear them, but he's going ahead with the mission because what what choice does he have otherwise? It's the only way he's going to get any information. Yeah, and he, he's a good pilot. He's he's carrying out the mission, so yeah. he, he cuts his way through with with his laser. Um, he cuts his way into a bloodstream. I didn't notice. I when I was watching it, I had it you know through the home cinema amplifier and everything. But the the noise of the laser firing and when it tears, very low down in the mix you've got the noise of the martian heat ray from george powell's 1950s war of the worlds so again that's old joe dante saying can we have a you know heat ray sound effect in here most yeah. people just don't notice. well i didn't notice it and i've watched this film a lot but uh i guess joe knows it's there sure when he watches this or watched it he probably got a little smile on his face because he knew that he got one of his other things in there it yeah, doesn't but, explain why the blood doesn't pour out of the thing as he cuts it. Because you would it just, think, yes. It, it's just like all still in there. And I guess, in, I don't know, maybe that incision was that small that Martin Short didn't feel that. Because he feels some things. He doesn't feel that. He doesn't react to that. Well, well, yeah, the, the pod is tiny. So, you know, when at the end, you know, Dennis Quaid is, you know, using the claw to hold on to the side of the stomach, he's not going to feel that. But coming it's up, so small. Right? Yeah, yeah. But coming up, I mean, he reaches the optic nerve, doesn't he? And he, and he he sits the pod down on the stalk, his eyeball stalk, and mm -hmm. Martin Short definitely feels that because his eye goes a bit squinty. And then, yeah. th th this is typical Joe Dante. It's it's Looney Tunes, isn't it? You know, he's got a camera, but it's not just any camera. It's got a four prong vicious spike thing that goes <laughs> clung as it does and uh and and fires it at the back of his eyeball and i felt that because you would feel that wouldn't you yeah you would think so and i think this is why they hired martin short because usually you, you said like i mean maybe you liked him but you're tired of him i've always loved martin short and it's because of the physical comedy stuff i, I really like physical comedy and 
he has um, continued to do that even to this day. I think he's like one of those guys to me that is he can do that, but he also can sing and he can dance. Like he's he's a multi talented kind of guy to me. So I feel like I like Martin Short a lot more than you do, and you became annoyed by him. And as I watched this, I was remembering why I love Martin Short. I th- I think it maybe um, in my case it might be a a case of I've only seen him in a few things and he always seems to be the same. Maybe if I'd seen more of what he does, because I've never seen him singing and dancing, so I wouldn't know. So maybe I need to broaden my horizons just a bit. Yeah. And and it's like you said too, I grew up watching Martin Short. I grew up watching SCTV and Saturday Night Live. And he, to me, is really one of the very few people, maybe Christopher Guest, that made the jump from one to the other. He was on, he was a cast member in the two greatest sketch comedy shows in North American history. And you don't do that without being super talented to me. So I grew up watching Martin Short. In fact, he did some of the same characters on both shows. Right. He did Ed, Ed Grimley and he, and he did uh, Jackie. The, some of the dances that he does in this are like, like some, right out of his characters. Right, right. He's, when he's dancing, he's dancing like Ed Grimley at times. Okay. So I grew, up, I grew up watching Martin Short. Okay, I'll have to cut him some slack then and do a bit more research. <laughs> <You know. laughs> All right, so yeah, I mean... Yeah, he fires this camera into the back of the eye, you know, waiting for a picture. The hands come away from the eyes. All right, Oz, he goes. And you're not Oz. Where's Oz? Who are you? <laughs> Where's the lab? And that's when he realizes when, you know, Jack stands up that he can't be in bugs anymore, can he? He's in a strange man. Yeah, and he says the line. The, yeah, And that's where he had to stop for that scene, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, we've got to fast forward because, as I say, there's going to be a part two to this. So so that's the first bit. That's when he realizes he's in a strange man and what the heck am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So we, we've got to zip forward almost to the end. And that's when Tuck is actually inside Lydia, but he doesn't know that he's inside Lydia because he doesn't know that Lydia and Jack have had a... Oh, no, he, he asks Tuck to turn the camera off, doesn't he? Just so he's got a bit of privacy with Lydia. Yep. Yeah, because he's into her too. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, they have a kiss, and that just just so happens to be the moment that, you know, he's up in Jack's mouth and moves across into Lydia. Um, I don't know how you can go from, like, you know, the stomach down towards, you know, somebody's reproductive organs without realizing it. Yeah, I don't know. The only, <laughs> there, there are certainly a lot, lots of things you have to suspend here. And, the only thing he knows is that he can't hear or see anymore. Mm. But when he comes so, back on, he when he's going around, he's lost basically, isn't he? Um, yeah. And uh, and this this little scene we're going to talk about here is when um, you know he he's going along like this, like you know, fleshy coloured lump. Lydia. I'm in Lydia. (laughs) Oh, Lydia. I'm a dad. 
we don't know what it is. Uh, you've got some nice music going, and you've almost got whale-like sound effects. Um, yeah, there is a noise, yeah. Yeah. And and as the pod rounds this curved surface, we get to see bumps, which it turns out are going to be fingers. Um, but we don't properly see it. I, I like the way this is all edited together because he goes round this curve. There's some bumps, but we don't know that they're fingers. We cut inside to Tuck's reaction. We don't know what he's reacting about. We just see him looking at something. And he says, Lydia. And then we get this huge close-up of a baby's face. And we hear him say, I'm in Lydia. And that's when we realize, ah, <laughs> he's in yep. Lydia and Lydia's pregnant. And it's great. It is great. And he's a great actor. You know, he, he's quite teary eyed, isn't he? Uh, he's a teary yep. tuck, um, if you like. Um, and, <laughs> and, and then we get that terrific shot of this tiny, teeny tiny submarine in front of the face of his child. Um, yep. Who's looking at him? Um, and, he gets uh, to see his child the way no father ever, the uh, before or again will get to see their child. Yeah, it's it's really touching. Would would you have done that for your son? Would you go in a submarine to see him at that stage? I don't think so. No, no. I think <laughs> I could have waited. Yes. Yeah. Really. I I can, I can wait. Uh, it's fine. Okay. And no, I, I I wanted to just mention that little scene because you know. It is very sweet, isn't it? You know, and and it's done really, really well. Yeah, it is. It's it's and it's when the first time you're watching this, you don't necessarily. We, I guess, you do see him go from from Jack to her. There's mm. like you can see like the spit. By the way, how much are they? How much are they salivating? Jesus, um, that might have been That's a, a ten minute kiss. It could have been a ten minute kiss, and they just edited it down. You don't know. Well, that's true. That Martin Short's. A sloppy kisser because that's a lot of saliva going from one to the other. I guess we do get to see that. It would have almost been, and now I'm trying to tell Joe Dante how to make movies. It would have been better if we didn't know that, and then you didn't know why he couldn't hear or see anymore until you saw the baby. Yeah, and then we find out the same time Tuck finds out. We find out the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would have been, been nice. cool. Yeah, and all this still reminds me of Body Wars. That's all they do. Yes. I'm just like this is the kind of stuff that you do on the ride in Body Wars. Now you don't go see a baby. See, no, no, oh blimey, no, you wouldn't do that. But no, I I only know of this Body Wars from in my ILM book when I was looking up Inner Space. There's a whole section on Body Wars and how they made the spe special effects for it. In fact, there's more how they did the effects on Body Wars than there is on Inner Space. <laughs> That's funny. But frustrating as well because <laughs> I wanted I wanted some some uh, some nice information. But I've got some nice information. We might as well get into that now, Dave, because that's our two scenes over, isn't it? Good. All right. Um, so I don't know how much of this you're aware of, but are you aware that the original script, uh, which was by Chip Prosa, uh, it was a serious drama. It wasn't a comedy at all. No. And with this, like, so they decided at some point along the way to not make it a sci-fi actioner and try yeah. to get romantic with it. I mean, some of the there is a lot of action in this. Some of the stunts, I tell you, like I, I watched it twice. I thank you again for you know suggesting this because I got welcome. to redis rediscover a movie that I really like. the The stunt work with Martin Short hanging off that car, uh, that that On freezing truck. Yeah, holy, holy mackerel! Like some of that stuff, I know that. They can do a lot of things, and I'm sure it was completely safe. But at times, it looks like Martin Short is doing 
90% of what is happening there. When he's, when he's standing with one foot on the windshield of the sports car and his other foot on the door of that truck, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and just simple things like the fall backwards. I mean, that must have been complicated and that must have hurt to fall backwards mm -hmm. into a sports car like that. Yeah. Hmm. So I guess, and the only reason I bring it up is so like a lot of these things, like the action sequences and probably a lot of the beginning were leftovers from the original script. It, is that? That could be remnants from that. Yeah. Um, okay. The fact that it's a comedy um, was all down to Peter Goober at, hmm. uh, at Warner Brothers um, because it was optioned by him in 1984. He offered the script to Joe Dante, who turned it down. And it was Peter who then decided to have it rewritten by Jeffrey Boehm as a comedy. Okay. All right. Um, and that became more attractive to Dante then? Yes. Yeah. Because that seems like more his thing. Like he's, he's, he's into kind of these, these alternative things, but it's got to have a sense of humor. Yes. Yeah. And Joe Dante said, you know, that uh, Jeffrey Boehm, this is the quote from Joe Dante, approached it from the concept of what would happen if we shrank Dean Martin down and injected him inside Jerry Lewis. I love that. That is, that's great. Cause that's not what happened, but you can see that somebody you, super cool inside of somebody super awkward. Yeah. I, I love can, it. I can see, you know, fantastic voyage was 66. I could see Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis doing a spoof version of just that yeah. thing, doing inner space in the late 60s. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Yeah. But originally, the original plan when Joe Dante did come on board, the original plan was to have, right, let's see if you can guess, right, two A-name stars, right? Who do you think that they were going to have as, you know, the Jack character and who would be the Tuck character? All right, so this is 1987. Yep. And these are big names. All right, who's the coolest person in the world in 1987? Dennis Quaid was certainly cool, but he wasn't the coolest person in the world. Um, I'm thinking somebody like Mel Gibson. No, 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 no. For, for, for the Jack character, right, you mustn't think yeah. Martin Short, okay? You've got to think far more uh, leading man. Okay, because I was I was going along. My guesses were going to be along the lines of the cool versus the awkward. So it was going to be like Mel Gibson injected with Paul Rubens. You're you're on the right way. Yeah, you've definitely got a, a traditional, very famous at the time. Very oh, they wouldn't have been able to afford him. I don't think very bankable uh, action star for the Jack character and a very famous, although not leading man action star for the Tuck character. One I, of your favorites uh, as well. One of my favorites? Yeah. And it wasn't Randy Quaid? I'm sure they could have gotten Randy Quaid. <laughs> they should have had they should have had Dennis Quaid injected with Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid could have played Bugs. <laughs> Couldn't they? Uh, I, I don't know. Give, All me, right. give it to me. I, I got All no right. guesses. Right, so Jack was planned to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Okay. And injected inside Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael J. Fox. Oh. Hmm. All right. All right. That could have worked. I, th I can see it working. I can totally see it working. Michael J. Fox can make anything work. That's the bottom line. Yeah. 
All right. Um, what else have I got? Yes. So if we talk about the special effects, right, the pod, the pod model um, mm. ranged from four inches. The smallest one was four inches to two feet was the largest model. Um, various parts of the body were um, created as large miniatures because this is still, you know, CGI wasn't quite in yet. So, you know, yeah. if, if, if you want to part the body, you have to make it. Um, exactly what they were doing 20 years before with Fantastic Voyage. Um, right. The bloodstream that, you, you know, you know when he cuts into the bloodstream, um, yeah. that, that was achieved by having a translucent tube. It was one foot in diameter, but 40 feet long, and in which they circulated water along with thousands of plastic blood cells. So that wasn't, you know, a, 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 an animation. That really was a tube where they're firing water very fast with lots of red blobs in for the red blood cells. It looks, it looks really, really great. And you, it looks so great that you would think it was animated. Um, and I assume that they did, I don't know how, I mean, it wasn't like 1987 was, was prehistoric times, but they must've had some basis in biology to come up with these things. Like, mm. this is what it, this is what it actually looks like. I there must've been I lots so. of micros, microscopic, um, video movies that they tried to emulate or something like that. I think so. I mean, I mean, we were saying last week we did Fantastic Voyage last week, and you know the uh, the sets that they made for that film they was they were using that as late as the eighties in you know medical colleges and that to show you what it looks like inside the body. But I mm. th I think no, by the time eighty seven comes around, they they've you know you've got you know micro cameras and you've got more of an understanding on you know how the body looks and stuff so I, I i think the effects you see here were far more up to date than what we saw in the 60s version yeah yeah it, it really i think the special effects hold up there's a couple things here and there but even like we talked about the scene with the fetus um when you see a fetus in a movie now whether it's cgi or uh, uh animatronic it still looks like that like the the special effects in this movie hold up i think pretty damn well i th i think so i i think the whole film does um yeah. i think it's more you know lydia's shoulder pads and and you know <laughs> and hairstyle that um you know kind yeah, of and like, the dates it more the feathering the feathering that is going on in the hair in this movie yes. is astronomical <laughs> well this is peak time isn't it 87 this is totally peak time for all that um sure. yeah the fat cells when you know Jack first uh, Tuck first wakes up. Um, that's I mean, in the states you call it Jello. Over here we call it jelly. But yeah, that that's all it is. It's Jello. They had made mm. molds and they just got shop bought like lime or lemon, you know, flavored Jello, and, and that's sense. all that was in water. Yeah. Makes uh, sense. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. If you can do that simply and photograph it simply, why go to the trouble of you know using silicon and all, all this business if you can just right. go to the shop and buy some Jello. Yeah, I recognize the name. I mean, you know way more about this than I do. And I, like I said, I watched it twice. And I, and the second time I watched it, I really let it play through to listen to the uh, Rod Stewart cover of the Sam Cooke song. Mm -hmm. And this, then speaking of this, and the new special effects, I've always loved old music that's been older than me. And I always loved Sam Cooke, and I still love Sam Cooke. And if anyone asks me, quick, who's the greatest singer of all time? Without hesitation, Sam Cooke mm. is the greatest singer of all time. And I think this movie helped foster my love of Sam Cooke. So I was watching it to hear the Rod Stewart cover, which isn't as good, but it's fine. And 
a lot of the names I was noticing, I recognize from them being brought up in Star Wars movies. Mm. Yeah, because it's like, all ILM. Right. So, like, Tim Tim from Star Wars in character knows all these guys. He, he, if he knows them by name. If he sees one of these guys in an airport, he runs them down, you know, and they're like, who the hell are you? You know, like, leave me alone, kid. But he re- he brings up these names, and I was seeing a name that Tim has brought up. Oh, I know that name from Tim. I know that name from Tim. So these guys are the guys. Yes, absolutely. And there's one guy in particular, okay, one guy called Bill George, right? And okay. on this film, he designed the pods, um, Tuck's pod and Mr. Ivo's, you know, shark-type pod, one-man pod that he, he has at the end. Now, you know him because he's a model maker and designer for ILM, and I have a list of, among others, these are the things he's worked on. Star Trek 1 and 2, E.T., Blade Runner, Return of the Jedi, Temple of Doom, Goonies, Explorers, Ghostbusters 2, Always, Joe versus the Volcano, Phantom Menace, Harry Potter, and Galaxy quest so there's a very good chance you know you've seen a ton of bill george's work in films. sounds like it yeah sounds like he's like a he's like a hall of famer yes say. yeah all right well that's cool yeah i've held back one last fact to the end which is about the baby and yeah you're right you know when you see a baby internally you know it tends to look like this um they did take some liberties with the baby's face um, artistic liberties because you know the, the the baby's only two months old. The baby wouldn't look like that at two months, but they took some artistic uh, choices uh, to change it. Not only um, you know for that reason, but also again, Joe Dante. This is a nod to the Star Child at the end of two thousand and one. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah, when when you have the Star Child at the end of two thousand and one, the way. It's shot, the slight fuzzy focus on it, the way the baby's hands are up almost to the mouth, that is a direct homage to the end of 2001, you see. It's and, great. Yeah, it, it, it's fantastic. And that, that baby's head was two feet across. It was an animatronic puppet, basically. Hmm. Hmm. And they, they shot and put that haze on, like you said. Yeah, yeah. I totally it. see that now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, much like... You know, the film that spawned Inner Space, Fantastic Voyage, um, 21 years before when that came out, it won Best Visual Effects Oscar, and so did Inner Space. So that's kind of nice, you know, that the two of them won exactly the same award, but 21 oh, years won apart. A, this won an Oscar? Yeah, Best Visual Effects. Okay, man, that's that's great. That's well-deserved. I didn't know that. So I didn't I intentionally, when I, I do, we do this 80s, show and i'd look up all the trivia when i'm on something else i don't want to know anything i want you to i want you to tell me this is really cool mm. so yeah i thought i thought that was really neat that uh you know both films um garnered the same accolade yeah definitely huh and well and, that's really great yeah and ian and i was saying you know when we did fantastic voyage the effects in that hold up incredibly well because they that they are practical effects by and large, you know, it, um, you haven't got a- any animations in there at all or anything. So, yeah, holds up very well, as, as does this film. Yeah. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, what for our two sequences today, Dave, what would you give it out of 10? Um, both the uh, the initial launch and injecting and the baby scene. What would you give them out of 10? The, they're both they're both excellent. And 
and I, I'm, you know how, I mean, we've talked many times and you just mentioned practical things. Practical things will always go up the charts for me rather than down the charts because at least there's a basis of reality. And I was just talking about this the other day at the brewery that I work at with somebody I had on, uh, Phantom Menace was on something. Mm -hmm. And the guy that was sitting at the table asked me, didn't know if it was one of the real Star Wars movies or is this one of the cartoons? Like, that's how bad computer-generated effects age. Yeah. When did that come out? 1999? Yeah, yeah. He couldn't tell from his seat. No, it, was a, it wasn't like he was right on top of it. And then he, and he wasn't seeing a human. Um, but it was like, but you know, even the... So. Yeah, it was the uh, like the the battle droids and stuff like that. Mm. He he was like, "Now is this one of the Star Wars movies or is this one of those cartoons that they have on like See, you know that's Disney not good, Plus?" Is it? That's not no, good like, at all. and this movie's the opposite. Like everything that you said, it's it's practical things. So I'm gonna give them both. I'm gonna give them both nines. Nine because these hold up completely. Um, the only things that are to me computerized is that thing with his face and i love that thing with his face and the baby looks fantastic it, i mean i you know no people have ultrasounds and i've seen them i mean i've had them of my son um this isn't far off like this is this is everything's based in reality for something it is super super um unrealistic hmm. that was very I mean, nicely put Dave. very nicely put yeah so good, yeah, fantastic. Well, you, I can't say anything any better than you can. So um, I, I'll just say I agree with what you say. Um, not as generous though. I gave it an eight. So okay. so that's eight and a half. All right. It's pretty damn good. That's not bad, is it? So yeah, no. excellent. All right. Well, thank you for um, coming along today for the ride. Thank you. Thank you. And and I do. I want to. I want to. I wonder. I, um what you would think of Body Wars. I, I would love to hear you um, watch. In fact, I watched one this morning. People used to do this. Disney files do this. They take a POV from the start of the line to when you leave the building. Um, of And, and uh, Neo says, we're really into theme parks. They, do they, do they, they don't have theme parks like we have in America and, and in England, do they? Matt will tell you. I mean, he came over a few years ago, and we do have them, but they're not on the scale or the finesse or, you know, just the, the razzmatazz showbiz, you know. Ours are very um, lackluster. I, 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 think he, I think he was a bit deflated by seeing our versions. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Um, because it's a cultural thing. It's a cultural thing. England, um, we're not good at stuff like that. We're just not good. <laughs> uh, there's just something in us. We're not. We're not for the whole showbiz thing, the larger than life stuff. We just don't do it very well. And when when you attempt it, it's like, for instance, you know, if you go to an attraction in America and every, everyone is, you know, in costume and they're playing the part and they really get into it, right? And that's brilliant. But if you see anyone in England doing it, it's so half-hearted, you know, <laughs> and it's all quite pathetic. Um, now we don't do things like that very well, I'm afraid. We're just right. woozies so as well. It's a, it's a, it's a cultural, like more reserved. Yeah, we're more thing. reserved. That's that. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, we're, yeah, we are far more reserved. We're British, of course. We're reserved, you know. <laughs> I would. That would be a funny Saturday Night Life sketch, like you know, British people at an amusement park. 
like a father and son and the, and the kids like uh, on the ride, but no one's smiling. Yeah. That's what it would be. That, that, <laughs> if, I, if I came over to America and I was at a theme park and you had somebody dressed up as a character and comes bounding towards me, I just inside it would be like, go away, go away. Please don't talk to me. Go away. <laughs> that would be I'd, funny. I'd be terrified. I'd be absolutely terrified. You know. But and they as, might ask you if you're having a good time and you'd say yes. Yeah, of course I'd say that, but I, I would be cringing inside. You know. <laughs> and as for I getting think... up on stage or anything, forget it. You know, no right. way, no way. I w- I would love to see this. Like, I think you should put something together. Like, get a get your son and you two do a sketch, and it'd be like he could be like be like, Daddy, <laughs> am I allowed to do a a, a wee, <laughs> a, 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 perhaps a a, a woo hoo, <laughs> just mm. this one time, son. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. When no one's looking, yeah, yeah, yeah dear, right, dear. Uh, I I love I I I I love um theme parks and and i know matt does and and i would love for you to be able to come over here and go to you know one of these with matt I, it would because it, i think you would really love you would really love it just from the technical standpoint i like the technical side of it yeah i mean we've got we've got uh sadly it's closed down at the moment and you know uh with the world as it is but yeah the the nearest theme park to us is only like 20 miles away and it's on the coast and you know it's it's it its heyday was, you know, from, you know, just after the Second World War right up to the 70s, you know, and and classic rides and stuff like that. And and it reopened a few years back and they put back all old classic rides. So you go on the Dodgems, but that Dodgems from the 1950s and stuff like that. And I, and I like all that. I don't like the super scary modern stuff that they've got there, but I like the old stuff. I, I yeah. Yeah, and as you say, the technical side of it and the physics of it and how you can have this happen. I appreciate that, but I wouldn't want to go on it. Yeah, no, I'm with you too. I'm more for the the theme park stuff that I think that you would like is these immersive experiences, and that's what Body Wars was. Yeah, Body Wars sounds interesting. I'm going to have to look into that. Watch the watch the thing. In It is as if they replaced Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan with Tim Matheson and Elizabeth Shue and it's an immersive experience. They make it seem like you are Tuck Pendleton and you are being shrunken down to be inserted into a body to study the effects of white blood cells on a splinter being in it. And of course, everything goes wrong. But they do this stuff, you know, like this scene in inner space where it's like you're getting too close to the heart and, you know, like yep. all that kind of stuff. They do that in Body Wars. You're getting too close to the heart and the heart is going to suck you in and you are going to die. <laughs> You know, like they do that stuff. Same thing with the lungs. And you can hear the guy, you can hear a breath. And it's like, you know, they're telling him like, you're, you're getting too close to the lungs. It's, it's, it's exciting. And it was a flight simulator. So it was jostling you all over. And there's that technical aspect of it. But uh, it sounds um, very interesting. But, you know, it, from, from what I've, you know, the brief mention I saw of it when I was flicking through the book, why didn't they just do it as an inner space Right. Why, why? Why body wars? Why not have it as a interactive, you know, cash in on the film? I guess because it was Disney and Warner Brothers was in. No, it's just a rights thing. Right. Yeah. So if it, if if Inner Space had been a Disney movie, you get Disney is they're the biggest whores for like putting their stuff into everything. So mm. this would have been Inner Space the ride, but also this part of Epcot Center in Florida some of the stuff doesn't exist because kids thought it sucked because it was like they tried to teach you stuff 
And the kids are over like, it's summer vacation. I don't want to learn about capillaries. I don't care about neurons. I just want to go on rides. And they tried to like fool you into learning things by putting you on a ride. Right. I think that's part of the reason why some of these things don't exist anymore. You'd be like, did you have fun, Johnny? Yeah, I had fun, but I learned too much. <laughs> so, but yeah, check it out. All right, I will. All right. Okay, well. Pleasure as ever talking to you, Dave. And yeah, apologies to our listener. You know, the beginning of our recording didn't record because I was so thrilled to be talking to you that I forgot to press the record button. But what the hey? If if there were podcast awards still given, and there probably are, but we don't care about those in the event, we would have won one for that first ten. We minutes. would. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, take our word for it, listener. That was that. That was podcasting gold, wasn't it? Well, in case you say listener, as if you have, you're just saying there's the one. Yes, that's that's how I see it. One, one person. All right, it's Chris when, it's when he's Chris. driving his truck. He's driving. <laughs> Chris, if you're listening, and I know you are, you're driving your truck. Get that, get that paper to the next stop. <laughs> Don't forget the toner. And thank you for listening. And I appreciate you saying that that place was 20 miles away. I appreciate the conversion to miles. Thank you. Oh, I'm still in miles. I, you, you know, the rest of the world is all going metric. No, 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 no. No, I'm a kilometre. I don't know what a kilometre is. Goodness <laughs> sake. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, cheers then, Dave. And, and, Thank you. And we'll have you back soon, all right? I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Excellent. Cheers, matey. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. heart 